good to see one, everyone out this morning, and I hope the things that I, we study this morning will be a benefit to you. I believe that we are all affected by what we're going to talk about this morning. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In Hebrews 12th chapter, verse number 14, the Bible says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. These verses should have a lot of meaning to us. This should give us a lot of incentive to be peacemakers. Number one, he says you can be called the sons of God if you're a peacemaker. And number two, if you do not seek to be a peacemaker and follow holiness, the Bible says you will not see God. It says we won't see God unless we uh, make efforts in this area. You know, most of us like to have peace in our life. Everything just goes smoother whenever we're at peace. But we don't always know how to accomplish that. And what I want to talk about this morning is something that I said affects us all. And that's maintaining good relationships. And fixing those that are broken. You know, people want answers to their problems. Many talk shows have been devoted to this subject. Many books have been written about this. Telling people how to fix their relationships, how to make good relationships. And we've always wanted good relationships. But like I said, we don't always know how to do it. But we do have the making of many books. There is no end that Solomon spoke about. People trying to help others with their relationships. But I'm going to tell you this morning, God's Word is the only maintenance book and repair book that will offer solutions that will guide us successfully to fix our relationships and to keep those that are good, maintain them. Number one, God's word will show us what to do to maintain good relationships. Or to, to maintain a healthy one. Number two, it will show us behavior that needs to be avoided that will destroy relationships in the first place. It shows us examples of strained and broken relationships and how they were mended, how they were restored. And number four, it shows us how to live peaceably, lead a quiet and peaceable life with our government and all men. It doesn't matter what, our, what the relationship is. Our relationship with God, our relationship with in their marriage, with their family, with our friends, our boss, our co-workers. It doesn't matter. These are and should be important to each one of us. 
You know, we talked about the, the endless supply of books written on this subject, and I'm going to quote one, a writer, I don't remember his name, but he made the statement, something in our nature cries out to be loved by someone. He says isolation is devastating to the human psyche. And you think about that. If you're separated, if you're isolated, and you don't have any contact with people, it, it affects you mentally. He goes on to say perhaps that is why solitary confinement is considered the cruelest of all punishments. Because he says at the heart of mankind's existence is the need to be loved and to love and to be needed by someone. You would think since we are a people that have such a great need to be loved and to love someone that we would spend more time in trying to maintain our, our relationships and to more, uh, put more effort in fixing those that are broken. But unfortunately, every day, relationships are dissolved, friendships, friendships are broken, family ties are severed, and we wonder what in the world happened. In Amos, the third chapter, beginning with verse number one, Amos said, hear the, this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel against the whole family which I brought uh, up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Amos was talking about a severed relationship. And I suspect knowing human nature... They were wondering, well, why in the world is there a problem? Why, why has this relationship been severed? And the simple fact was that God hated sin and people loved it. The prophet Isaiah said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin is at the root of all broken relationship. That can be one or both in the relationship, but sin is always involved. Amos pointed out that two cannot walk together except they be in agreement. If only we could be more focused on trying to get along, trying to fix our relationships, work harder to resolve issues before they become unmanageable. In any given relationship, each party has personal responsibilities. And if one or both fail to perform those responsibilities, then at very, the very least, the relationship is strained. 
but most of the time it's broken and severed. There are things that will not allow reconciliation. There are things that will not allow uh, people to fix problems. And I want to talk just a little bit about those. Number one, too often we expect the other person to do all the changing, to do all the work to fix the problem. Number two, sometimes we have the mindset that this relationship can't be fixed, so there's no need of even trying. And if that's our mindset, you can bet we'll be right. It will never happen. And probably the worst is grudges that have been harbored for so long that there's no desire to fix the relationship. We read of one in Amos, the first chapter, verse number 11. Amos said, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity, and anger tore, his anger tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. These people were actively sought uh, to inflict harm on their brethren. They refused to show any mercy to their brethren, and their anger consumed them. That's all they could think about was what they was mad about. And they refused to get over their anger, and they held on to that grudge. And God said, for these transgressions, I will not turn away its punishment. I want to look a little bit uh, at a relationship found in the Genesis, the 30th and 31st chapter. And I want to point out some things that have put, put a tremendous strain on that relationship. That relationship got so bad that it was nearly destroyed completely. And selfishness was at the root of it. Selfishness is a destroyer of relationships. No one, and I mean no one, can maintain a healthy one when selfishness is involved. Eventually, that relationship will dissolve. It could be selfishness on, like I said, on one or the other part, or both. But it's there. And we're familiar with the story of Laban and Jacob. How that Laban wanted to marry his younger daughter. Laban tricked him, gave him the older daughter. So he worked seven more years for uh, Rachel. There was a lot of things that transpired. Laban had the misconception that he had the right to mistreat or treat Jacob any way he wanted to. Because this, it's my family. It's all about me. These one-sided relationships will never work. In Genesis 31, verse 5 through 7, 
Jacob had called Leah and Rachel to him. And he just kind of gave an overview of everything that had happened. And he said to them, I see that your father's uh, countenance, that it's not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been uh, with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him uh, to hurt me. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2 verse 4, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. This relationship started out on shaky ground from the very beginning. There was nothing stable about it. There was nothing really good about it. Selfishness and deception pushed this relationship to the breaking point. And we see this type of behavior happen every day around us. And eventually it will destroy our relationship. A one-sided relationship where it's all about me will never allow or promote the healing of a, a broken relationship. And it will not produce a healthy bond. This type of behavior will uh, promote only distrust. And that's exactly what happened. Jacob didn't trust anything that Laban said. Even when they made an agreement, he didn't believe him because he knew he wouldn't live up to it. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Their relationship, like many today, have changed the principle taught by Jesus into the distorted version of do unto others before they have a chance to do it to you. In our society, this has become the norm. And we wonder why we have so many problems. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 15, See that no one render evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Picking up our story again, Jacob had worked uh, 14 years for Laban. And he decided it was time to leave. So he went to Laban. He says, I'm, I'm going to take my family. And, and says, we're going to leave. Well, you know, Laban wasn't completely crazy. Because he knew that Jacob being there had blessed him. He had got, got wealth from, from God blessing Jacob. He blessed Laban too. So Laban didn't want that to stop. So he said, now wait a minute. Before you leave, he says, 
I'll tell you what, since you feed my herds, and you just name your wages. Well, that sounds really good on the surface. So Jacob made the deal with him. He said, I'll feed, uh, tend to your flocks, and I'm going to go out in your herd, and I'm going to pick out the speckled and spotted sheep, the brown lambs, the speckled and spotted goats, and so on. And he says, Those, that will be my wages. And then he says, when the subject of my wages comes up, anything that's not, uh, doesn't have this kind of marking on it, if you find that in my herd, then we will count that as being stolen. And Laban readily agreed to that. We know the, how Jacob, uh, I believe the Lord was behind Jacob doing this because he was compensating Jacob for the way Laban had mistreated him. Anyway, Jacob, uh, in Genesis, the 30th chapter, verses 37 through 42, Jacob took rods of green uh, poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, and he peeled them, and he left the white markings in them. And he set that before the flocks in the gutters. So when they came to drink, and they would conceived, they saw those, and the Bible says they brought forth uh, streaked, speckled, and spotted. Continuing on down, uh, he, he talked about this, and he says whenever the stronger cattle or the stronger flocks came to drink, he put those rods before them that they might conceive and bring forth these uh, speckled, spotted, and streaked animals. But whenever the weak animals came to drink, Laban didn't put those before the, uh, the flocks. And so the Bible says uh, the flocks that were feeble uh, were Laban's. And the stronger were Jacob's. God blessed Jacob to compensate for that, for what he, how Laban mistreated him. But as, wealth, as Jacob's wealth grew, so did Laban's resentment. Laban's deceitful tactics did not stop at this point. Each time God blessed Jacob, he became stronger. And Laban changed his wages to get the upper hand. But God continued to take care of Jacob. The Bible says if Laban said, the speckled will be your wages, then the animals bore speckled. He said, no, if the streaked animals is your wages, the Bible says uh, the, uh, the animals were, uh, bore their uh, young that were streaked. And up to this point, it had been a pretty much a one-sided relationship with Laban on the uh, upper, with the upper hand. But with Jacob's wealth increasing, even more strain was put on that relationship. And as Jacob's, uh, Jacob's wealth grew and increased, so did uh, Laban's jealousy. And that combination brought uh, about a rapid decay in that relationship. 
And he said, that wasn't bad enough, everything that had happened in that relationship. There was going to be something else thrown into the mix. And that is relationships strained by talking to others. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, Solomon said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit, eat its fruits. Listen to what happened in Genesis 31, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Do you want to ruin a relationship? This will probably do it quicker than anything else in the world. Gossip. Talking to others. Are you having trouble with someone? Go tell everybody else how bad they mistreated you. How, how much you have been hurt. Rather than going and talking to the person that you're having a problem with. And then tell me how good that relationship, how much that improved that relationship. No doubt from the reading, Laban had said things to his sons that indicated that he thought Jacob had stolen from him. But you remember, they made the deal that Jacob's stuff would be there. So he really had not a leg to stand on, but he was talking to him anyway. And they were saying, there's no way he could have got this wealth unless he had stolen it from our fathers. And that's what Jacob overheard Laban's sons gossiping about. And all this did was drive even more of a wedge between Laban and Jacob. And their relationship had come to a critical point. What's, what come next? When things get so bad, arguments, accusations, and these things will definitely ruin a relationship. In Genesis 31, verse 36 through 42, to give you a little background on what happened here, Jacob finally decided he'd had enough, and he got his flocks and his wives, everybody, and left in the night and got away. Well, Rachel unbeknown to Jacob had stolen Laban's idols well when it was told Laban that they had left well, he went and he saw his idols was gone so he was just sure that Jacob stole them and so he pursued Jacob I mean it was hot and heavy and he overtook Jacob and he made the accusations you've stolen from me he says not only did you take away my uh, children you didn't allow me to even say goodbye to him. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob says, hey, you search. You find out. If you find it, let your uh, brethren and my brethren be witnesses between us. 
So uh, Laban searched the camps. And then the Bible says Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. He says, why have you hot, so hotly pursued me? And what of your household have you found in my possession? He says, these 20 years I have served you. 14 for your daughters. And 6 for your uh, cattle. He says, you've changed my wages tw uh, 20 uh, 10 times in another place. But he says, all those flocks that I tended for you, that was torn by the beast, he says, I didn't bring them to you. I bore the loss of it. He says, those that was stolen at night, I bore the loss of that. He says, drought consumed me. Frost by the night. I didn't get much sleep. And like I said, he said he'd served uh, 14 years for his daughters, six for the cattle. And he said, if that wasn't bad enough, if God hadn't been with me, you would have probably sent me away empty-handed. Laban was so sure that Jacob had stolen from him that in his mind, he was a victim. It didn't matter what all he had done before. He still thought he was a victim. And on the other hand, Jacob argues, what is my sin? I ain't done nothing. You, all you've done is mistreat me. You've deceived me. You've lied, uh, lied to me. You've changed my wages ten times. He says, I'm the victim. You know, the tip, it's typical of most arguments. The accusations are endless. And each party thinks they're the victim. And if you have this mindset, it will never allow a person to seek reconciliation. Nor will it promote healing of a strained relationship. But if we want to please God, when we find ourselves in this situation, victim or not, it's time to seek a new beginning. Without it, healing will never begin or ne never take place. And this is what Laban proposed. In essence, he said, this has gone on long enough. Let's start over. Jacob was mad. Laban was mad. But to continue down this path of self-destruction was going to cause Laban to lose everything that he cared about, his family. And I'm sure that Jacob's home life was not that good either. You can't have that kind of tension in your family and not be affected by it. And I want to point out that when trouble is brewing, every member of the family is affected. It wasn't just Laban and uh, Jacob uh, at odds, it spilled over into their families. You know, I think about, when I think about this, I think about the Hatfields and McCoys. That was exactly what happened to them. They were mad at each other. 
They wanted their families to be mad at each other. And it went on for uh, many, many years. Many people died because of uh, that feud. And I believe that's what the Bible is talking about. When he talks about the root of bitterness springing up, whereby many are defiled, are corrupted. You know, Laban was mad at Jacob, and he wanted others to be mad at him also. And all the talking he did accomplished exactly what he wanted to accomplish. His sons got on board. They, after hearing all this, now they didn't like Jacob. They was mad at Jacob, and they resented Jacob. But the fact was that things was out of control. And Laban was smart enough to realize that something needed to change. And he proposed to Jacob, they start over. Now you remember what all Jacob went through. Now Jacob could have said, no, I'm the victim. You've treated me too bad. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. He could have thrown a monkey wrench in that proposal. And said, our relationship can never be fixed. You know what would have happened if he had done that? They'd have both went on down the road and they just continued to live in that turmoil. They would continue to never have peace. But thank goodness Laban had enough foresight and he took the initiative uh, to propose that they start over. And I believe at this point in time, I believe Jacob and Laban both realized it was time to do something different. That they couldn't continue to live like this in this misery and this pain. The Apostle Paul said, depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Are you having trouble with someone? It's time to, to stop and have a new beginning. It's time to stop and start over. In Genesis 31, there's 44 through 52, Laban said, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. And so they built this heap, this pillar, and Laban said, this heap is a witness uh, between you and me this day. And he says, though all, no, uh, no men are with us, God is a witness between us. And what they made, the covenant that they made, was he, uh, Laban says, I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me for harm. To repair a relationship, both parties must want reconciliation, which means to be made friends again. Each must accept their responsibilities and allow God to guide them uh, as they repair what's been damaged. And adding God to our broken relationships so we can fix them, that's what's going to fix it, folks. You know, in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, Solomon speaks of a threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
where God is the center of a relationship, it's destined for success. But where it is uh, people leave God out of their relationship, they're setting themselves up for failure. Solomon said, except the Lord build the house, they that uh, labor in vain that build it. Jesus taught that there would be storms in our life. Very strong storms, bad storms. But he also taught that even though these storms would uh, uh, threaten our very existence, if we had a firm foundation, we could weather those storms. And I want to tell you this morning, there's some things that has got to happen if we want uh, our relationships, if we want to mend them, if we want to fix them. There's some things that's got to happen. Number one, we've got to listen to what God says. Listen to his instructions and implement them. James says, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Number two, there's got to be a change of heart. A conscious decision and desire to bring about a change. Number three, there's got to be a change in actions. And realize that we can't continue to do the same things over and over and always expect that we've always done and expect different results. Actions must change for relationships to heal. And number four, there has to be a covenant made. And what that is is a mutual agreement, a commitment to start over by both parties, to draw a line in the sand and agree to leave the past in the past and move forward in a positive direction and asking God to sanction that agreement. And finally, number five, there must be true forgiveness uh, take place. And what that means is all people concerned must make a commitment to not bring the past up to the other person in that relationship. Nor to bring up the past and talk about it to other people. And most important of all, probably, is to make a commitment not to bring it up to yourself. Don't allow yourself to go there anymore. That's what Jacob and Laban did. Laban said, God is a witness between me and you. But you know, the covenant wasn't that I'm not going to have anything to do with you from now on. That wasn't the covenant. The covenant that they made was, I will not pass over this pillar, and you won't pass over this pillar. And when we do, it's going to remind us of our agreement that we was not going to pass over here uh, this this uh, line in the sand that we've drawn, we're not going to pass over that to harm each other. And they strengthen that by asking God to be a witness to that. David said in Psalms 133 and 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I want you to think about what we've talked about this morning. 
It's very important. It's important to God. It's important to us. You know, we have talked mostly about earthly relationships this morning. And we understand how important they are to us. But I'm going to tell you there's not a relationship more important than the relationship we have with our Father in heaven. God wants to have a relationship with his people. The prophet Isaiah said your sins or your iniquities have separated you between your God. Between you and your God. And it says because of your sins he has hid his face that he will not hear. Man severed that relationship with God by sinning. But God was not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. And I believe that's why the Bible says God commendeth his love to us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ has the, rec uh, the ministry of reconciliation. And when his cleansing blood cleanses us, it washes away our sins. When we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the remission of sins, we come in contact with that blood. And we are raised to walk a new life. We can have a new beginning. We can start over. This morning I'll ask you, have you been cleansed in that blood? If you hadn't, I want you to think seriously about it because it's very, very important. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone uh, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you desire a new beginning this morning, if you desire to have a right relationship with God, I ask you please take care of that this morning. Whatever it is that separates between you and God, separates you from your God, you need to take care of that. And we want to help you with that. If we, if we can help you in any way, would you please come as we stand and sing?